Hello and welcome to Beyond the Podium, a podcast devoted to providing insightful and thoughtful dialogue and information to Virginia's choral music community. My name is Daniel Jackson, and I am the Director of Choral Activities at Stonebridge High School in Ashburn, Virginia. I am also the founder and facilitator of the Diversity Coalition, a committee supported by Virginia's ACDA chapter. Beyond the Podium is a platform created by my colleague and producer, Halai Karim. The idea was to create a platform to help us celebrate, educate, and foster meaningful dialogue about choral music and issues concerning conductors, directors, and choral music enthusiasts throughout the Commonwealth. In the following months, we hope to provide you with a series of podcasts on multiple topics, utilizing the experiences of the wonderful choral directors and educators within our state, as well as prominent figures within our national community. Tonight's topic is the diversity code. During my first four years of teaching in Virginia, I started to see some patterns of disconnection and disenfranchisement within the Commonwealth. These patterns weren't simply race. They involved other aspects and characteristics that fall under the umbrella of culture, socioeconomic, uh, regional differences, gender, moral, religious belief systems, even vocal choral pedagogy. The Diversity Coalition is one of many initiatives that the Virginia ACDA chapter is using to bring us closer together to provide a safe space for those who feel underappreciated or unheard to voice their transparent views and concerns, to have the difficult conversations we all must take part in to reimagine an intelligent and inclusive choral community for a diverse population that's growing more and more by the second. The committee's mission is to foster equity, diversity, inclusion, and awareness in our community through education and transparent engagement with all members, and yes, members who identify with underrepresented communities. Tonight, you will hear from several members of this community. We'll have everyone introduce themselves and then ask a question. Why are you passionate about this initiative? Personally, and in the interest of transparency, I'm passionate about it because during my participation in choral activities and conferences uh, since I've been in the Commonwealth, there seems to be a lack of cultural diversity within the executive and artistic leadership of our community. Again, this goes beyond racial diversity. Cultural diversity applies to a multitude of characteristics and traits that represent our growing community. And it leads me to ask tough questions. One being, are we doing enough to highlight the vast musical wealth of our state? I have so much more that I could add to that, but I don't want to monopolize the time and I want to hear from everybody else. So. Let's introduce our first speaker. Thank you, Daniel, for that lovely introduction overall. Um, my name is Amy Moyer. I am currently the choral director at Woodson High School in Fairfax, Virginia, and I'm also finishing my final few months as Virginia ACDA's president. Um, I, voice is part of all of us. We are all born with a voice. And 
I truly believe that a quality choral experience needs to be accessible to all people. And I don't think it has been welcoming and or accessible to all. Um, and I hope to help provide some conversations to advance us forward and help move it forward for all of us so that we can all as a choral community benefit from loving and embracing all the different uniqueness that we have to offer. Uh, my name is Arielle Mitchell. I am the choral director at Meadowbrook High School in Chesterfield County. Um, and I am excited to be a part of this team um, because I know what music did for me as a child and I see what it does for my students. And it's my passion and my desire to ensure that um, all students have the opportunity to thrive in the arts. And I'm also aware that there are challenges that prevent that at times. And so I hope to be able to have conversations with others to brainstorm, strategize, so that we can work together to ensure that music is accessible and that students can thrive and do what they love. I'm Meredith Bowen. I'm the Director of Choral Activities at Radford University in Radford, Virginia. Um, I, as part of my job, I have three ensembles and um, I teach uh, classes in choral music education. So I teach things like um, choral uh, methods and uh, choral literature and, uh, oh, I don't know, conducting. And there's one more, I can't remember. Vocal pedagogy, yeah. <laughs> so I do all of that. I have a, had a grad student this year. Um, and you know, I, um, I've been kind of down this road um, in the form of feminism, I think, for my entire career thus far. So since about uh, the year 2000, um, I've been interested in women's voices and amplifying women's voices. Um, and especially um, it in days like today when when we're talking about all of these all of these issues and the fact that women aren't going to receive parity for another 108 years right and so um having those conversations and um making uh you know culturally re relevant teaching happen at the university level hoping that the students will um will understand these issues and then make changes in the world that they serve um something that i've observed since being in Virginia the last five years. I've been all over the state doing adjudications and um, county choruses, district choruses, that kind of thing. Um, I, I've observed, uh, especially in the Southwest area, that um, there's a lot of issues surrounding equity and access. And I hope that we can have a conversation about that as well. Um, you know, students in the Radford area um, versus students in the Fairfax area, there's often uh, $6,000 difference um, between the two, um, how much uh, help students get per student, right? So um, the, the kind of resources that folks have across the state, I think is, is something that we can, we can tackle. Hi, I'm Margie Woods. I'm the choral director at Luther Jackson Middle School. Multicultural music has been an interest of mine for a long time. Um, my two VMEA presentations, when I brought students to VMEA in 2006 and 2008, the programs were fully multicultural pieces, um, kind of travels around the globe. And my dissertation was about how to make people more comfortable 
with teaching multicultural music because I think it's something that is so valuable to our curriculum. And I just wanna continue on with that conversation and see what we can do to make people feel more at ease. Uh, I am Harlan Zachary. I am Director of Choral Activities at Norfolk State University here in my fourth year here. And uh, I've had the unique opportunity of teaching a lot of different places and teaching band and orchestra and choir. And one of the things that uh, I'm passionate about in being a part of the Diversity Coalition is making sure that everybody, adults, students, no matter what the age, has a place at the table but not only that, with so many people using music and the arts as a way of expressing themselves, that they can bring whoever they are to the table and feel safe that they can express themselves authentically, uh, whoever they are and whatever they may believe and whatever they, they do, that they can have a safe place to express themselves and be 100% authentic through their music. So I'm Travis Krikovic. I am a rising senior, um, an undergrad for music education at Virginia Commonwealth University, um, former uh, student chapter president of ACDA there and current student representative for VA ACDA. Um, and I'm here just because as a future educator and somebody who's still learning how to be one, um, I wanna do everything I can to be the best um, and most culturally responsive teacher possible because there are so many things in the way that music is taught um, and the way that curriculum is um, put together for music that is, you know, very Eurocentric and very white centric. And that's just really destructive. And I want to make sure I don't lead any student of mine astray um, being the future generation of musicians that I'm teaching. I don't want to show anybody that they can't pursue any kind of style of music that they want to. Um, and basically just doing all the learning I can. Um, and that's, there are many things, but those are the main things right there. I'm glad to be here. So let's get right into it because th this is, uh, I think this is one of the, the big questions that I think a lot of people um, in Virginia may not really understand, um, only because of the fact that it, it has been brought to their attention. One of, like for instance, one of the things that Dr. Woods was saying uh, was about equity in the Southwest area of Virginia. Um, I think a lot of times, mostly because we are trapped in our, in the bubble that we create, whether that's the, uh, due to, the, uh, to our school or, or to the community. And there's just so many things that we, that we are trying to do to serve our community that we really only focus on what we, are, what we need to do to be the best stewards to our students or to our ensembles that we, as we can. Um, but we don't always really take a step back and sort of view the entire landscape until maybe VMEA conference or, or uh, Voices United, when we have a chance to, to just sort of get an idea of what's going on throughout our state, maybe Senior Honor Choir. Um, and uh, so it, it starts with this. When we take a look back, or at least when, when I was able to, to step back and out of my bubble, one of the things that I noticed was that there are a lot of people who we just simply don't know about. One of the reasons why I wanted to 
uh, create this, this committee was to help bring people together. And the reason for that was because uh, a gentleman by the name of Theodore Thorpe, who is at, um, who's in a currently named T.C. Williams High School. I forget what it's going to be changed to. Um, but we, we reached out to each other via Facebook. And up until I suspect, I guess a couple of years ago, when we reached out to each other on Facebook, he had no idea that there was another African-American high school choral director in the state of Virginia. He honestly thought that at least in our area, at that moment in time, that it was just us two. Um, but um, that a lot of that was because when we went to VMEA, you didn't really see many of us there um, or many people who looked like us there. Uh, and you didn't really, and, and the only way, and it's, it's kind of odd, but the only way we did recognize each other was because one of his groups were performing. And I think a couple of years later, one of my groups performed at VMA. So the thought was, is that where is everybody else? We know that, that, that there are people like us um, in the state. We know that they're teaching, but where are they? And why aren't we connecting on, on many levels? So uh, the question is, or the questions are, who do you believe isn't seen and who isn't heard? Um, and what do you kind of believe needs, uh, needs to occur in the, in the state of, I'm sorry, in the Commonwealth of Virginia regarding equity? So let me, let me repeat those again. Who isn't seen? Who isn't heard? And what do you believe needs to happen in, this, in the Commonwealth of Virginia in regards to equity within our choral community. So take a moment to, to sort of digest that. Um, and then I'm going to call on somebody. So, oh, oh it actually feels like Jeopardy. Like I, I see people writing, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm not gonna say, I don't have a voice right now. Well, um... I think my concern lies specifically with um, communities that suffer with um, the ch challenges that come with poverty. I think a lot of teachers who work in those communities are the ones who aren't heard. There are, they aren't heard on several levels. Um, they aren't heard from, by their building leaders because oftentimes in schools um, that suffer with poverty, um, there are a lot of other pr um, priorities that um, their building leaders may have to juggle with and they may not have the time or the opportunity to, to hear what their um, music departments are going through. Um, so I believe teachers who work in those areas are often not heard in within their own communities. And then when it comes to organizations like ACDA, they may not have the means to even have a membership or to go to conferences. And so I think that's where a lot of the challenges occur. So it's not just children in poverty, but if, if a school is in a low socioeconomic area, um, the teachers themselves may not really have the funding or opportunity to participate in, in um, 
professional development events like VMEA and things of that nature. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. It's a domino effect. It affects several aspects of the entire school community. Okay. And, and now, that, now that we say that, um, poverty doesn't have a racial designation. In, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that there are people of all races, of all cultures, who live in an impoverished environment, maybe in the southwestern area of Virginia. Um, Dr. Bowen, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I know that, that, that you, have this, you have this idea about equity in the southwest area. What, what are you experiencing at this moment? Well, I think that it, I find that the students don't have a voice um, in, in throughout the Commonwealth. So um, I believe at VMEA, there's like one spot for a collegiate choir to perform. And um, it's usually passed around um, by the, the folks who seem to have more resources. So Radford, I'm just, just throwing this out there, Radford is a very much a regional school and the region in which we live is very poor. And so um, the resources, I mean, imagine having a, a group of students who come to you. I mean, you all know this, right? Because you're high school teachers, but um, these the high school students down here don't get the same resources as, as folks elsewhere. So they don't all have, they come to me in choir and they've never seen a choral score before, right? What sight reading? We don't know what sight reading is, right? And so the amount of work that we have to do to get them ready to teach school then is really difficult. I mean, it's, it's a very uphill battle, right? But also there's, um, there are different um, uh, musics and, and um, um, uh, musicianship techniques that they bring that other folks don't necessarily have, right? So, um, is there is there a way to amplify those voices, even though they're not the the typical um, uh, white classical canon singing choir? Right. Um, that's this is really where the, the white supremacy comes in when it, when it comes to um, music education, right? That we're always teaching the canon, and why is that? Right. So I have I have that question, too. And that's that's really around the, the culturally relevant teaching. And, um, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time right now because I haven't programmed any classical canon for the last two years. And I'm starting to feel like, you know what, I'm going to have these students who are going to go out and they're going to have to choose music from this from this literature list that we have at VMEA, right? And on that literature list, if they wanna to go to assessment, let's just say that they're acquired teachers and they wanna to go to assessment and there might be a Haydn piece on there that they wanna choose, but I haven't actually taught them anything about the styles of Haydn and they didn't get that in high school. So then for me, it becomes really like, how, what can I teach? How can I help these students? Because most of them are going to stay around here too. So can I help elevate, um, I don't know, I, I, music down here? I don't know. I, all questions that I have that I have no answers to. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm absolutely open to thoughts and, and ideas there. That, that's passionate and very beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I think a lot of people, especially in, in the area that I'm in in Northern Virginia right now, uh, 
and, and, and I don't think it's because we are consistently trying to not understand what's going on in Southwest Virginia or on, in Western Virginia or in just other parts in general. It's just we, we, are, we are too caught up in our own world to really understand that there are so many different um, issues that, that students all across this Commonwealth are, are dealing with. And um, we, just, we just never really consider it. Um, but to hear your passion through it, it, it immediately makes me as a music educator say, okay, so what can we do about that? Um, and and I, I have thought about, well, what about the, the repertoire standards that we have uh, um, that all of us educators have to choose from to participate in district festival? Um, matter of fact, I think right behind me, you see that I have a book of take six back there. I'm pretty sure none of this music that's uh, in this book would qualify within the Virginia standards at this moment of time. Now, there are methods that are going on to help to um, um, broaden the, the, the span of the music that, that's there, but it, it, we, we've got a long way to go. We've definitely, definitely got a long way to go. Thank you for sharing. Um, Amy. Um, when I was pondering these questions earlier, I, um, I kept coming back to the financial aspect that, um, you know, it un is the undercurrent for many of our answers, I feel like. Um, I mean, I've seen it in my own ensembles. Um, when you look at the percentage of student body that is participating in chorus um, and what that looks like, you know, culturally, and does the choral ensemble actually represent the school? And if it isn't, why isn't it? Um, and, you know, what is making it inaccessible for students? Um, and even looking, as Ariel was saying, looking at the different um, participation levels in, for example, the middle school all-state chorus. It's great that we do this, but it requires a parent and to, to take off work, it requires a, you know, a student to take off from school, it requires hotel costs, you know, there's a whole bunch, is a whole financial component that goes into it that then makes, you know, that experience inaccessible to a large swath of, of Virginians. And, um, and even for attending conferences, I've noticed um, that it can also depend on what level you teach. Um, you know, administrations or what, what group you work with and administrations in school systems, for example, tend to be more su supportive in high school for you to go to a conference and less supportive in middle and in elementary. I mean, I remember even when I had students performing at Allstate, I was not allowed to take a, um, a day off. Uh, I was allowed to take a day off. I was not allowed to have administrative leave to go support my students. And I didn't have leave. I, you know, I was a new mother. I, I had no leave banked <laughs> and it was, it was um, not a financial year where I could take a day and not get paid to go support my students. So, um, you know, those, those financial concerns um, keep being, uh, keep an undercurrent in my head. Even when we look at literature that people are performing, they go with what's in their library if they have a library. And if that library is, is not diverse from multi, multiple cultures or places across the world, you're not gonna be able to necessarily put more out to your students if you can't afford to buy it. 
Um, and, you know, as, as you all touched on with participating in conferences, to have your ensembles perform at a conference is an expensive endeavor. You know, it's, um, and I know we don't, you know, with our Voices United Conference that Virginia ACDA runs, you know, we don't have performing groups there. Um, and, you know, I, I know that's a VMEA thing um, for our November com- conference, but I sit there and wonder what can we do to support these endeavors for for our choral directors in the state and for the ensembles and how how can we make um, make this financial barrier less of a burden um, and I do think that starts with um, finding ways to reach out to the directors across the state um, to make sure that they have access uh, to this organization and to some of the um, materials we have available. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Travis, I'm going to throw you a curveball real quick. If you don't think you can catch up, catch up to it, don't swing for it. But I'm going to sort of come back to what Amy was saying about the financial aspect of, of, um, of teaching. Um, you, you said before that you want that, that you want to make sure that you become a more culturally responsive educator. Um, while you've been in school, um, I don't, I don't know what year you're in or when you'll be done or when you're starting your internship, but has the financial aspect been brought up in your, um, in your educational methods courses or in your, yeah, in your educational methods courses? Amazingly, not at all. Um, the, the whole conversation about like the more day-to-day kind of clerical work behind teaching hasn't really happened yet. And I think it's really important to, um, I know that we're talking about just like things like the hiring process in our upcoming class. It's the last one before my internship. And I hope that that conversation happens because I've heard stories about um, the schools in Richmond itself, where a lot of us may end up teaching right after uh, college. And if we're not prepared to have those kinds of conversations and hit those kinds of challenges, then we'll be in big trouble because it's it's a really serious issue. And um, as Dr. Bowen said, it can really, you know, it can stack up as that generation advances and grows up and they get to the higher schools. You know, there are things that they weren't able to receive as part of their music education just because of you know, the fact that in some ways there are resources that are required. Some people have them and some people don't. And that leads to um, some real trouble there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really hope that that happens. I think that those kinds of things need to be in the minds of professors um, that along with these other topics we've been talking about. Agreed. And just so you know, for future reference, um, it is highly possible at this point, especially being that, that the entire state is now um, on this push for, for more equity and more inclusion, that during your interview process, I almost guarantee that, that if you mention something about the financial aspect of equity and that, you, and that you at least have, even if it doesn't work, that you have some sort of idea or, blue, or blueprint or game plan walking into your situation, you are going to look so much better in the eyes of most administrators. Um, it, when, when I started interviewing, that wasn't really asked about, but, that's, but I also was walking into a setup where financially speaking, 
we we were you know my my community's doing okay but but in communities where it may not be that great that that's that's probably going to be one of those things that they bring up so just just a thought um even if your your professor doesn't bring it up maybe this is one of those moments where you can actually ask them about it and and they can shed some light or something um i will come back and ask those the the specified questions but i just figured we should have that moment um miss woods what 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 um who isn't being heard or who isn't seen in your eyes right now and what does the state uh need to do in regards to equity um i have a lot of agreement with what's been already said i was thinking about the all state middle school honors course and how I was trying to pass out applications last year and people refused them. They said, you know, even if I got in, there's no way we'd be able to pay for it. My parents can't take off of work and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I hear what Dr. Bowen is saying about the canon that we have to teach to for assessment and the, the list that we are beholden to to pick from. But I, I would like to say that I think there are small inroads being made. I think there are some places where, the, where people are starting to listen because um, I tried to get a student to audition for a regional ACDA um, honor choir. And they said, you know, I, I'm not sure that I could afford it. And I said, well, let me see what I can do because I, I really wanna try my best to see that I can make things accessible for students. And now at ACDA, they offered a small, I mean, it was small, a really small scholarship to assist students to go. It was $300, that's maybe a two nights in hotel if we're lucky. Um, but at least I thought it was a start, you know? And um, here in Virginia, when we choose music for assessment, we can choose from the Texas list, the New York list, and the Virginia list amongst those three books. And I really have appreciated how over the past couple of years, well, many years really, at VMEA, they um, welcome submissions to add to the catalog for the VCDA list. So I find that our list is more diverse by far than New York and uh, Texas. So I do feel that inroads are being made. I, I agree they're the same people who need to be heard. For all that I teach in Northern Virginia, I have a lower socioeconomic population. And, um, and I, feel, I feel particularly passionate about the fact that middle school to me is one of the, the last places you can catch them. Like before they go off into high school and get their other interests and that sort of thing. And so what can I do to make sure that they stay and I need to make sure that they are seen and how can I do that? So many thoughts that were all over the place, but yes, I think there are inroads being made and I am looking to make sure that especially people who are tweens at that difficult point in time in their lives are seen in the choral classroom so that they can find their own place to feel at home. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I, I sat in on one of those sessions um, at VMEA where, where we were, I think Amy or somebody invited, no, yeah, it was Amy. Amy invited me to it. Um, and we sat down and, and, we, and we looked at different scores and, 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 and sort of gave them a rating for their difficulty level. And, 
And it was actually nice. I don't remember ever really doing that in Florida uh, when I was there. So to see something like that occurring actually was um, reassuring to, to an extent that, that people are looking towards the future um, and, and a more equitable and diverse future, not just you know, person to person, but chorally, musically speaking. Um, so thank you. Uh, Dr. Zachary, uh, so yes, who isn't seen, who isn't heard, or what does uh, the Commonwealth need to do in regards to equity? Well, I, I, I don't want to say too much that's already been said already, but I, what uh, Dr. Bowen said really resonates with me, that there is uh, there are a ton of traditions and choral singing ideologies that our students come with that just are not recognized across the profession. Uh, and when we talk about money and resources, a lot of those traditions are not even rooted in, you know, things that we have to pay for. I mean, I think uh, that what works, what, what relates mostly to what I do here is let's say gospel music. Um, and oftentimes you can, that is taught by rote. But I don't think that there is anyone, there's any kind of system out there for adjudicating that or um, or just valuing that for what it is. And a lot of times it's just relegated to entertainment. And uh, while the students, my students especially, really love performing it, there's a, a kind of resentment that what what's done uh, and what is valuable to them is often just seen as entertainment which kind of brings you to that question of uh, spirituals. Do you put them at the middle, beginning or end of your concert? And who performs them? How do they perform them? It's that same old question that just keeps coming up. Um, so that really resonated with me. But I think um, in every state with every national organization that's been around for a time, there, there become feelings, especially when we talk about diversity and inclusion there are feelings that people develop over time. And I think we have pockets of people across the state that have developed feelings towards ACDA over the years and have canceled membership or have never investigated it because they felt like it wasn't for them or maybe their school or their university was slighted in some way and have decided to stay away from ACDA and don't see the value in it. Um, and I think those voices are just aren't heard. We can have this conversation, I think, all day long, but if the people who need to hear it uh, don't have access to it or even know that we care as an organization or are concerned, it, it just won't change the way they think about ACDA and the way they participate in choral singing in the state, in the country. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for that. Um, that one hit home for me a bit because of the, the conversations that I've had with a couple of colleagues about the reason why they aren't participating um, in ACDA or, or don't particularly feel welcome. Um, Dr. Russell, um, uh, your colleague at, at Norfolk State sent me an email uh, about the, uh, something that he saw that added a word to the, the normal acronym of EDI, of, you know, um, 
equity, diversity, and inclusion. He said, add a B to it. Um, and that was belonging. And I'd seen it before, but it didn't register with me until he said it, that in a way, it, is, it can almost be a math problem. E plus D plus I equals B. Equity, diversity, and inclusion, if, we, if we're doing those things properly, then we should be aiming towards the idea that everybody feels like they belong within this community. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't want to say something that's going to get anybody in trouble, but um, to, in your view, what pockets of our community do you feel are possible? And this could be like a certain area of the state, or it could be uh, racially, or it could be gender-based, but what pockets of our community do we know are doing amazing work in, in, in choral music, but they just simply are, they, they may not be feeling as if they belong within our choral community because we're not providing them with, with any of those three words, this equity, the diversity, or the inclusion portion of it. And I'll just open that up to the floor or to the Zoom. I'll, I'll say that those schools and teachers, I think that are challenged economically or in high poverty areas, often feel like they don't have a seat at the table or don't feel like they belong because they feel like they have nothing to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, if we let them know that these conversations are happening, um, that they can actually give us some ideas and some insights on how to best change our practices and the practices in the Commonwealth to help them. That's just thought. Uh, mm -hmm. Anybody else? I was just thinking, um, I was gonna point out how recently our student chapter did an event that discussed with our school's faculty, um, you know, the importance of diversity and equity and inclusion to the students and making sure that they knew what was the most important to us in terms of what we wanted to see in the program, just because there are a lot of um, black students and students of color who felt like they weren't being valued for, you know, the cultural side of their art and their expression and felt like they had to fit into a mold and were confining themselves into what the professors deemed was proper music. And some professors do really well with that at BC. I'm not going to, um, you know, call out anybody by any means, but um, there's certainly a lot of professors more broadly and a lot of teachers um, who just go by what's in their library, what they learned. And that shuts a lot of people out. They don't feel like they belong. And so there have been some people who left the, the voice program because they just felt like they weren't, you know, being valued that they weren't contributing because they, and they, they were, and they just, that part of their voice was being denied. Yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, you, we, we've been, hearing at least during this meeting or uh, we've been hearing more about the Euro, the Eurocentric canon. Um, I think some people may believe that when they hear that term that we're only talking about classical music 
or we're only talking about classical choral music, um, the Brahms and the Haydn and, and uh, you know, the, the things that we would consider to be everything that everybody should learn. But to sort of tie in what Travis and Dr. Zachary were, were saying, um, it's possible that even the way, even way we are teaching the music can be tied into cultural norms. As, as Dr. Zachary was saying, you know, in a gospel church, you learn a lot of your music by rote. Or if you're doing gospel music, you learn a lot of your music by rote. I actually had to discuss with my AP music theory. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, my, um, my women's ensemble, uh, we were doing um, Bridge Over Troubled Water. And how it starts, it starts off in three-part harmony in that first inversion chord that most of us kind of know because we know it's, it's easier. They, they didn't understand, well, why are we doing it this way? Why not have the basses come in at this point? Well, when you're learning something in, in a rote manner, we usually take the basic triad. And then if you flip it, all of a sudden that basic triad, people can move in parallel motion and it helps the ear stay connected to each other uh, and to the other voice parts. It, it just makes the movement more parallel, which makes it easier for them to hear. It makes it easier for them to learn their part. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. It's like, yeah, that, that, is a, that is a cultural norm within that style of music. Um, if people are unwilling to teach that, like Travis was saying, how, how do you put that into, uh, into your regular choral classroom curriculum? That can be kind of difficult. Um, that, that's, a, that's an interesting point. One thing that I, wanted to, um, that I wanted to speak on really quickly was one thing that I note that, that I probably did myself and that another colleague of mine was speaking about was that when, when we came into the community and to the Virginia Commonwealth, one of the things that I think we subconsciously tried to do was put our head down and just do the job. Don't make waves, put your head down, do the job. Because if you make waves, um, people start to not want to provide you opportunity uh, because maybe you're too boisterous or maybe you're, you're too avant-garde or maybe you know, you're pushing the envelope a little bit too much. So the idea was just sort of just keep your head down. If you see something happening, don't worry about it. Don't speak on it. Just keep your head down. Keep, keep it moving. Go back to your classroom. You can only control the environment that controls you. And that's inside of your classroom. Um, you can't control what goes on outside of it. You can only control what you, what you do and what you do for your students. Um, the problem with that is that a lot of that to me was based on the fear that I would not be accepted into the community, which is one of the reasons why I kind of have to thank Amy for that. Because Amy was probably the first person, uh, well, besides um, Shirley Glum, who in the community, in, in our Virginia community, said, you know what? No, I think, let, let, let's hear what Daniel has to say on this. Or let's, let's, let's see what, what, what he's thinking on this. And she picked my brain and, and she, 
and we had long conversations. Um, so my next question is probably directed towards people who have been a part of our ACDA leadership for a while. So Amy, um, do you purposefully look for people who seem like maybe they have their head down a bit, just trying to, trying to avoid the confrontation to, 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 get to, to get to their goal, which is in their classroom? Um, got a little misty-eyed there for a moment. Um, <laughs> I would say um, yes, in different ways. Um, what I was going to say to the sense of belonging actually goes to the answer to, I think, both of your questions. Um, it is so easy for us at conferences and events to stay with the people we know and to not, um, and to not branch out and introduce ourselves. Um, and so I know for me personally, it's very important for me to try to step out of my comfort zone and introduce myself to people I might not know, uh, or people who faces that look new to me. Um, I'm better at it sometimes than others, <laughs> just like everybody else, you know, um, but I think uh, a great way for us to foster that sense of belonging is to, you know, try to have those conversations and, you know, look people in the eye and get to know them and let them know that like they are welcome here. But sometimes that takes us walking up to people and saying hello um, and making sure that they, you know, they know, I, I mean, they know that they're appreciated, they're loved, and they're welcome. Um, you know, sometimes I talk too much. Um, sometimes I listen more, but I do always try to listen because they're, you know, I, I've grown up in a in a place that uh, in a place of privilege on many levels, and I think it's important for me to you know, recognize the shoes that I walk in and try to look at other people's paths and hear those voices as much as I can. Um, sometimes I don't get it right. Um, but, you know, we got to make those efforts so that we can all step forward together. Um, but I do, I, I, you know, I, I do, I, I've noticed like when I was in Virginia beach, time is weird. So I think it was a year and a half ago, um, guest conducting. I noticed a lot of faces that I'd never seen at conferences, at any conferences and great choral directors. I mean, the music the students were making was fabulous. And that comes from the, you know, the works work of the teachers in their communities. And it was middle school's kids singing their hearts out, doing amazing stuff, such a well-prepared ensemble and the overwhelming majority of faces of the directors I'd never seen before. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to, to, you know, to know that we have that lack of connectivity in our state. So. You're muted. Amen to that. That's what I was saying. My bad. Amen to that. Okay. So. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think we're, we're almost running out of time. I think we probably have about six or seven minutes if I'm looking correctly at my clock. So I'm going to, I'm just going to have an open question for everybody. In, and this, is, this one's going to be tough. So think about this. If there was one thing 
that you could do with, with this committee that you think would make a positive change in our Virginia coral community? And, and if you could just make that happen, that one thing, let's say you could snap your fingers and this committee could, could help to make that happen and you, and you would feel proud of it and you would feel like it would be a great step in the right direction. What would it be? That one thing. And it can only be one. It can only be one. You can't say like four, seven. I know that's what you want to do. Like, I want this and this and this. No, only one. Only one. Think about that. One thing that you would hope that this, com that this committee could help to foster within our state that could change something. I think it would be interesting to have a conference of all diverse voices across the state uh, singing music from their culture mm. um, and make it available for everyone. Mm -hmm. I like that. Travis, what do you think, man? What do you think? I was thinking um, that's a brilliant idea. I was thinking, as you said, there were a lot of um, um, people, um, I think Dr. Zachary made this point. There are so many teachers around the state and around the country who are turned off from ACDA or have um, canceled the memberships just because they don't think it does much for them, um, that they're not getting much out of it. So if ACDA as a whole organization could have this kind of spirit of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and just show that organically to the whole community um, and kind of just cultivate that trust that, that um, teachers could have in the organization, I think that would be able to uplift everybody. Nice. Ms. Woods? If there were some way that we could get all these people that are in Southwest Virginia or in Virginia Beach, people who don't normally come to conference, if we could find some magical way to bring all those people together, maybe not to a conference or something, but just a space in which they could share ideas and talk. That's what, that's what I think would be amazing. Ms. Mitchell? I would have to agree, just build a community where no one feels left out, no one feels intimidated. Um, everyone can come to the table, work together, um, have conversations and celebrate each other. Dr. Zachary. I don't, again, I don't wanna repeat what everyone else has said, but I think if we could all just come together uh, and, and every core director in the state, no matter whether it's a school, church, community choir, could just feel like they could reach ACDA and it'd be a safe space for learning, sharing ideas and exchanging ideas. I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. Just everyone feeling that they're part of a community, a real choral community. Right, a safe space like that. Amy? Um, I wrote encouragement instead of judgment. I think we, you know, we're trained to have those ears that analyze and, um, and we're trained to like, you know, see specific things as good or not good. And, um, and I think, you know, if we were to all go through that voice of encouraging each other, 
uh, in everything that we do, instead of judging each other, it would be really different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. Um, I, I, I think everybody said most of the things that I was thinking about. So I don't want to repeat either. So it'd be, it'd be kind of nice to see like a mixed martial arts tournament just between choir directors, you know, to see who will win. Um, I don't know. My, my bet is on Ariel, maybe Dr. Bowen. I'm not sure. Um, I think it'd be a good fight though. Um, no, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to see more connection between the ACDA chapter and the Virginia Choral Directors Association. Um, so that there was more of a unified understanding on, on what, what we're trying to do and what we could do. My, my particular thought is that we, I think our Choral Directors Association could grow more um, and, and expand on its possibilities so that we can offer opportunities where you see a multicultural-based ensemble, um, where, where uh, when we're at all Virginia, we don't just see a women's or a SSAA group and an SATB group, maybe we see a TTB group as well, um, where, and this is probably well down the line, but instead of just seeing district festivals, we actually see a state festival where, where you see ensembles from all parts of Virginia um, uh, participating. Because I think that even though we, we, don't want, we don't want the idea to be, well, we're just trying to become a performance-based uh, state. The truth is, is that our performances are the things that bring us together. Like when we see um, um, a group that we've never seen before, from a particular part of the, of the state. And we see the type of work and effort that they're putting in to touching and changing lives through music, regardless of their socioeconomic standing, their, their predominant race and, and all that type of stuff. Then all of a sudden we say, yo, listen, I'm inspired by that. Like I'm inspired to see people rise to the occasion and, and be their most transparent selves. Um, but I think for that to happen, BCDA and ACDA have to have more connection. We have to have more commonality so that they know we're trying to do these types of things so that we can bring the community together um, and we can create safe spaces and safe harbors for us to, to learn and grow from. So that would be my thought. Um, okay, so I think I'm running out of time. So. We have, to, we have to cut this short now. Just so you know, these, um, like I said, this is going to be a series. Um, it won't be me hosting all the time. We'll probably have some guests uh, come in and talk about things dealing with racism, dealing with feminism, as, as Dr. Bowen was speaking about, um, dealing with the history of, of all types of music um, from folks all over the, 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 the country. Um, but that's the goal is to to provide an educational access to our state on some really, really tough topics 
um, equity is going to be one that you hear an awful lot because equity is the one that is most difficult to define in a lot of like we you although there's a lot of different definitions to racism um, we basically know what it is but equity can change from class to class from teacher to teacher from community to community and and it's really really hard to determine what is equitable what is a general equitable equitable practice so you're we're probably going to hear about that and we'll have some fun conversations about all types of music um uh we we've had a discussion well not we but me and a couple of colleagues have had a discussion about rap and how does rap or how can rap play a role in in um us moving further into the 21st century um is it really music I, my, my answer is yes, but you know, yours may be no. And if it is no, we need to have a discussion about that so we, can, so we can at least learn from each other. So there will be a series of this and hopefully more people will, will join in and hopefully you'll, you'll watch. Um, if we have moments that you end up crying, great. If we have moments that you end up laughing, even better. But the biggest thing is that we hope that you have moments where, where you take a moment and you sit back and you at least ponder and, and consider the words and how they affect you and how they affect the community that you work in, whether it's in the school system or whether it's in a professional system, that's what we want to do. Okay. And hopefully you can come to us to just hopefully get some insight on certain things. So with that, everybody have a good night to my panel. Uh, thank you. We're, uh, I, I really appreciate everything that you've done and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. All right, now everybody at crazy so Halai know it's, knows it's over.